I love to end our our studies with these small scripture readings from Romans chapter 1, 16, 10, 9, 10, 13, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, and Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For the grace of, the, of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. My friend, today's the day. I'd like you to just repeat after me. Lord God, just say it with me, Lord God, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you and others, and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as I turn away from my sin. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me and change my life forever. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day that I might have life and life more abundantly. I accept you today and trust that you will guide my life. Now, Jesus, Take my soul and wash it clean. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. My friend, if you, if you said that sinner's prayer in sincere faith, I want to welcome you to the family of God. God has great things planned for you. And I encourage you to seek out a Bible-believing church in your area, around the world, wherever you are, and ask them to baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And again, I welcome you to the family of God. When you are baptized, a new name will be added to the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, would you just raise your hand to there, lay it on the computer, lay it on your smartphone, wherever it is. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you until he brings us Again, maybe this Sunday, we have a special, special day this Sunday, a Mother's Day celebration at the church there on Bullock Road and uh, at Gospel of Faith Church. Just Google it. You'll find the address. Come see us. We'd love to have you for services and a big potluck dinner afterwards. Love to have you. Uh, if you can, 
pray about it, see what God says about sending us in a special love offering. We, we could sure use it. So with that, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. We love each and every one of you. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye-bye. Well, here we are, and we're about to finish up First Church, part 22, I believe of 27 parts. We're about to finish up this wonderful book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 22, and we'll be in 1 through 3 beginning. If you have your Bibles, open them up to that. Paul is speaking in his defense, saying, Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, in verse 3, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city in uh, Cilicia, yet brought up in this very city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers." and was zealous uh, towards God, as ye all are this day. And I want to review a moment. Paul travels to Jerusalem. We know where we want to go, just don't always know how to, we are going to get there. The disciples of Tyree learned that church was a family thing that they they should all be in. We we too and and we should know in today's world that church is the answer. When our children are going astray, we don't even half the time know where our kids are. Where they should be is in church. They should be in church. Now Philip the evangelist was brought to greater things than just serving widows and orphans that's what he preached you see my friends it is possible to raise godly children in church it's even in today's world agabus the prophet chains are, are are waiting for paul in jerusalem he prophesies that now i want you to understand that one phase of Paul's ministry was ending. One phase of Paul's ministry was, was ending, but, but that didn't mean that God was done with him yet. One part of your life may be, may be ending, but God's not done with you yet. God has plans. He had plans from you from the day that you came into this world. God had a plan for your life. You may have taken some detours because you, you kind of veered away from God, but God had a plan from the moment you were born. At this point, Paul was taken captive. Paul, Paul's last act, I want you to understand, Paul's last act as a free man was to go to church. No one knows what the future holds for us. No one. But God, he knows. And he has a plan for your life. Paul was certainly a man who had God had a plan for his life. We can identify Paul by his life teachings. It is possible that the same soldiers that were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ 
were there to save Paul from this mob. And Paul asked the captain, he says, can we, will you let me speak to this crowd? They said, sure, why not? So this is Paul's defense. It's a personal defense. No one else can defend your faith but you. No one else can defend your belief in Jesus Christ but you. And no one can do it for you. I wonder today, do you, do you understand what you believe and why? Paul's defense centers around his conversion experience. That should be your center point. When, where, and how. I do not feel that Paul is looking to defend himself as much as, as he's looking to another opportunity to witness about Jesus Christ. In the Hebrew tongue, Paul could have, have spoken Greek, which was the common language of the day. The majority of the Jew, uh, Jews below would have understood him. But he chose to speak in Hebrew, identifying himself as one of the Jewish people. Not only speaking Hebrew, but telling that them that, that he was raised in Jerusalem. He was saying, this is my hometown. This is where I came from. I was, I was taught by Gamaliel, one of, one of the most reverend teachers of the law of Moses. He was saying, I know the law just like you do. I was even zealous towards God. I know the anger that you are feeling right now, he said, because I felt it too. People are more likely to listen to you when you, when you identify with them, right? Search for those commonalities in people. Continuing. In Acts chapter 22, verse 10 through 16. Acts 22, 10 through 16. And I said... What shall I do, Lord? How many times in your lifetime have you looked up to heaven and have said to Jesus, what shall I do? What shall I do, Lord? There's that key word. Many of us, many of us get down and say, oh, what should I do? How will I pay this bill? My child is sick. What should I do, doctor? But how many times have we said to Jesus Christ, how many times have we called upon the Most High God and said, what shall I do, Lord? That identifies, first of all, that we're calling upon the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. And there it shall be told to thee of all things which are appointed and for thee and to do. Now there's several things in there that we need to talk about. First off, uh, we need to call upon the Lord. Too many times people call on alcohol or drugs to find out what to do. Amen. Many times that's who we call on. 
or we call on our best friend or we call upon the, the lady down the street. When are we going to learn that God needs to be the first call, not the last? Not the call of desperation, but the first call. And he said, arise and go here and ye shall find what is appointed to thee to do. Verse 12, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him. Many of us. And many of you listening to the sound of my voice, we are blinded, and maybe not literally blind, but we are blinded in our hearts and in our soul. And when you call upon the Lord, because you're blinded in sin, when you call upon the Lord, God will tell you what you need to do to receive your spiritual sight. Somebody, somebody lift your hands to heaven and shout amen. And ye shall receive your spiritual sight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm telling you this morning, you shall receive your sight. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Verse 13, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon him, glory to God. And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee, and thou shouldest know his will and see the just one, the shoulders, hear the voice of his mouth, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Should have <laughs> Glory to God. Sometimes my tongue just gets over my eye tooth and I can't see what I'm saying. Praise Jesus. Verse 15, for thou shalt be his witness unto all men. That's mankind. Of what thou hast seen and what thou hast heard. And thou, in verse 16, and now why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Praise Jesus. Now, Paul, Paul relates his, conver uh, his conversion experience. If you want to witness, my friends, if you, if you want to witness, you hear pastors say it all the time, we need to be witnesses for the Lord in these end times, we are called in the book of Acts to be witnesses. Paul relates his conversion experience. That's witnessing for Christ. Are you listening to me? Paul relates his conversion experience. What is that? That is witnessing for the Lord. You do not have to be a, a televangelist. You do not have to be a great biblical theologian to witness for Christ. Paul simply relates his conversion experience 
to those around him. How were you converted to Jesus? How did you become a Christian for Jesus? What made you go from what you were to what you are loving the Lord? Amen. That's all it is. You just need to know, tell someone why you love the Lord. Glory to God. Paul sees the bright light and he hears the voice. And he says, who are you, Lord? He identified because he called him Lord. Who are you, Lord? And a voice comes and says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutes. So it's important to know who God is. Amen. It's important to know who God is. And once you understand who God is, then you need to ask, what do you want me to do? How may I serve you, Lord? Part of being a Christian is finding your place in the kingdom of God. And after you have some understanding, your next question should be, what could I do to advance the kingdom of God? Let me say that again. After you have some understanding, then your next question should be, what could I do to advance the kingdom of God? God, what would you want me to do? Some people get, get the conversion, but never bother to find their place in the kingdom. Eventually, they drift right out the door. They come in one door and out the other. Salvation, listen to me, salvation has a purpose for you, my friend. Salvation has a purpose for you. The church has a purpose. No matter what church you go to, there's a purpose why you're there. Finding your calling, then working in your field. Baptism is necessary. If it, if it was unnecessary, why tell Paul to do it? Baptism can only be done correctly in Jesus' name. In Acts 22, verse 17 through 21, And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste, make haste. And get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I am I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue that believed on me. Verse 20. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen, or Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. So why was Paul able to stay saved? When so many people fail around us, what was the secret of Paul's success as a Christian? There were three important things I want you to understand. Paul understood the value of being in the temple, in the church. What was God want me to do? Pastor, you may be saying that to me right now. Uh, this don't work two ways. You know, you can hear me. I can't hear you. But you may be saying, what, do, what, God, what does God want me to do, Pastor? God wants you to be in church. 
I realize there's so many churches around the world that are closed. Too often, those that receive conversion lose sight of needing to be in the house of God. We need that fellowship. Now, I, I, I love that you listen to the broadcast. I love that. And, and I may be cutting my own throat here, but the purpose of the broadcast is to take place of you not being in church. I'm not here to take place of the church. I'm here to, to temporarily provide a ministry until you can get back into church. Too often, those that receive conversion lose sight of needing to be in the house of God. As they neglect their worship time, it's not too long before they slip away and they are gone and they don't return to the fellowship of church. I'm going to be honest with you. We need you in church. We need you to fellowship. We need to fill the house of God again. For that is the strength of the body of Christ. Paul understood the value of personal prayer. What's the will of God for my, my life, Pastor? God's will is for you to pray. God's will is for you to tithe. God's will is for you and your spouse and your children to be in the house of God. It's when we neglect these things that we lose touch with God and find ourselves backsliding out of the church. People say to me all the time, well, sometimes we need to stay clear of people. Sometimes, maybe. But when we're together, we keep our minds sharp. When we're alone, we neglect that, that social thing that, that keeps us sharp. We need to be together. Paul never forgot where he came from. As Christians, sometimes we get too far removed from our own Calvary. We can forget where we were and what we were doing when God found us. This leads to an arrogance and says, I could never get back, I, I could never backslide. But sometimes we've got to go back and look at the pit that we were brought out of. We've got to go and look at the road that we were on and where we were headed. It is the only, only then that, that we find to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the road that I'm on now. I'm never going back to the way I was before. Sometimes we thank God that he gets us up off our duff and moves us out of that house trap that we're in and makes us move down to the church. It gets us moving again. Gets our circulation moving. Makes us get up and shower and shave and say, hey, I'm going to church. I'm going to the house of the Lord. God sends Paul to the Gentiles. And I want you to notice the Jews' reaction. Acts 22, 22 to 23, and they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices and they said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. It is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the Jews could not handle the idea of God directing Paul to go to the Gentiles. God was exclusively for the Jews in their minds. There's no way that God could care about Gentiles. They were not his people. 
I find it disheartening, disheartening that God's people wanted to keep God all to themselves. Jesus Christ loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. The cop, the cop that only gives a ticket, Jesus died for his sins as well as for ours. They could listen to Paul talk about his conversion quietly until he mentioned the Gentiles. You saw a light, heard a voice, got blinded and, and sight restored. Wow, that's great. You got saved. Hallelujah. Just don't go bringing the, any trash into our church. That's what they were thinking. Remember from chapter 21, they accused Paul of bringing a man from e, uh, Ephesus into the temple. That was what had started that whole uproar. Now, this is going to be a short one today. But in conclusion of Paul's defense, Acts 22, 24 through 30, excuse me, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined and scourged that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, It is lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman, uncondemned. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed that thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yes. And the chief captain answered with a great sum obtained, I... I Tie this freedom. And Paul said, but I was born free. Then straight away, they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid. After he knew that he was born Roman, and because he was bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known a certain, certainly, wherefore he was accused of the Jews, he loosened him from his bands and commanded the chief priests, and all their counsel to appear before Paul down and set them before him. Paul has been speaking in Hebrew to the Jews below. It is doubtful that the Roman soldiers understood what Paul was saying. All they saw was Paul's speech had caused another uproar from the crowd to the point that they were in a frenzied state of tearing their own, tearing their own clothes and throwing dust in the air. The Romans wanted to keep the peace and now convinced that Paul is some kind of criminal order him to be bound and beaten. Scourging is beating with a whip. That's what it's called. This was commonly done to criminals. But a Roman citizen could not be punished without due process. See, the Roman law protects its citizens. Because of his Roman citizenship, Paul is protected from the Roman soldiers. He was also now get the opportunity to address the ruling Jewish council in Jerusalem and send... Trahedon. This, this comes under the sign of redemption. I know today's was short, but I know also. And we come to a time when we have to look 
at Paul and what's coming for Paul. I want to close if you would just bow your heads with me. You know, it says now in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now if Christ be preached that he has been raised from the dead, do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all of men the most pitiful. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Isaiah 55, 6, 7, Revelation 22, 17, John chapter 10, 10. Jesus said, come to me, all who have labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I love to end our, our studies with these small scripture readings from Romans chapter 1, 16, 10, 9, 10, 13, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, and Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For he says, In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For the grace of, the, of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. My friend, today is the day. I'd like you to just repeat after me. Lord God, just say it with me. Lord God, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you and others, and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life 
as I turn away from my sin. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me and change my life forever. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day that I might have life and life more abundantly. I accept you today and trust that you will guide my life. Now, Jesus, take my soul and wash it clean. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. My friend, if you if you said that sinner's prayer in sincere faith, I want to welcome you to the family of God. God has great things planned for you. And I encourage you to seek out a Bible-believing church in your area, around the world, wherever you are, and ask them to baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And again, I welcome you to the family of God. When you are baptized, a new name will be added to the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, would you just raise your hand to there, lay it on the computer, lay it on your smartphone, wherever it is. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you until it meets us again. Maybe this Sunday, we have a special, special day this Sunday, a Mother's Day celebration at the church there on Bullock Road and uh, at Gospel of Faith Church. Just Google it. You'll find the address. Come see us. We'd love to have you for services and a big potluck dinner afterwards. Love to have you. Uh, if you can, pray about it. See what God says about sending us in a special love offering. We'd, we could sure use it. So with that, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. We love each and every one of you. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>